So over the years, we have added to our dictionary words like hangry. (laughs) Hangry, you know, the idea that you're so hungry, you become hangry. Or you become angry. We've added the word mocktail, which is a drink with no alcohol in it. We've added bingeable. And that's something that we all are uh, used to in these times we're in. Whether or not a show is binge-worthy or not. Staycation is another one that's been added. All these words have been added to the dictionary, but they come from pop culture. And not only do we add uh, particular words, we also will add phrases like uh, airplane mode. Airplane mode has been added to the uh, dictionary. Uh, The cancel culture has been added to the dictionary. So Different words, different phrases that they have gotten from pop culture, they will add to the dictionary. Well, I believe if and when all of this is said and done, if and when this coronavirus uh, pandemic is said and done, undoubtedly there will be one more phrase that will be added to the dictionary. One more phrase I believe will be added to the dictionary when all of this is said and done, and that phrase is social distancing. Social distancing. Now, we know what social distancing is because we're in it. We are living it. Social distancing simply is staying away to keep the virus at bay. That is what we are doing right now. We are keeping our distance from one one another. We are practicing social distancing by staying away in order to keep the virus at bay. Or we are being separated from one another due to this disease. And because of it, we are beginning to go stir crazy. We're beginning to catch cabin fever because we are included, uh, inclusive now in our own little world and bubble. All the days are now beginning to merge together and seem the same because we have been secluded or isolated one from the other. And the reason why we're having a hard time and a difficult time with this is because we were not made to be isolated. We were not created to be alone. That's why out of all that God created in the beginning, the one thing he said was not good was for man to be alone. That is the only part of his creation that he said was not good. It is not good for man to be alone. We were not created to be isolated. We were not created to be alone. We were created for fellowship. We were created for community. And so that's why we are beginning to feel the effects of this social distancing. As a matter of fact, if you ever want to punish somebody in prison or torture them, as we have heard uh, in, in previous times, All you got to do is put them in solitary confinement. (laughs) Take them away from everybody else. Take them out of society. Take them away from community. And that will be torture for us. Why? Because we were made for community. We were made for fellowship. But now because of social distancing, that has been taken away from us. So what the world is waiting on right now, what the world is waiting for at this particular moment is a cure. The world, all the world, not just America, but all the world is waiting for a cure, is waiting for a vaccine, is waiting for a solution to the separation situation. 
Let me say that again. (laughs) Right now, the world is waiting for a solution to the separation situation that we find ourselves in. And can you imagine the joy that that is going to bring once that's our reality? Can you imagine the joy that it is going to bring? I mean, people are literally going to be dancing in the streets when we find, when we come up with a solution to solve our separation situation. People are going to be rejoicing at that day. Why? Because we're going to finally be able to come together once again. My family and I, we were watching a particular movie like you guys. We're going even back to old movies. And some of them, we're kind of sadistic. So we like end time movies, end of the world movies. And so we decided to watch 2012. (laughs) 2012, of course, is an end of the world movie where the world is coming to an end. But they decide to be able to save as many people as they can in these arcs and these boats. And at the end of the movie, they're all in these boats. And they've been in there for over a year. (laughs) But now everything is starting to settle down. The, the, the air is now clear. So the captain comes on and he says, all right, we're going to open up the gates. We're going to let you onto the deck where you can get some fresh air and you can see the new world. And everybody begins to come out and go onto the deck and they look around and they're in awe. They're in amazement. They begin to breathe deeply in the fresh air. And my daughter turns to us and she says, that's how we're going to be. <laughs> That's how we're going to be when all this is said and done, when all this is over. That's how we're going to be. That's what we're going to do when we're going to be able to come out of our homes and gather together again. That's how we're going to be. So right now, the world is waiting on a cure, waiting on a solution to solve our separation situation. Well, today starts what is known as Holy Week. Today starts what is known as Holy Week, and it is the most significant week, not only of all the Bible, but of human history. Holy Week. It is the most significant week of all of human history. Why? Because Holy Week is God's solution to the 70th week. If you've been joining us and been with us for a while, you know we're studying the book of Daniel and the end of days, uh, end time prophecy, and we've been camping on or taking a journey through what is known as the 70th week of Daniel, the last seven years on earth before Jesus Christ comes to rule as the king that he is. But what we learned last week was the seven years is called the tribulation period. Tribulation means trouble. And the last three and a half years, there would be so much trouble, God changes its name to the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation, because Jesus said in those days, there would be such trouble like the world has never seen before. Never seen before. So think of all the wars we've had. Think of all the pestilence and disease we have, all the hunger, all the persecution, all the things that this world has faced. God says this time, the great tribulation will be a time like the world has never seen. So as we said before, this is a time you do not want to be here for. And I believe we don't have to be here for that time because of the solution of Holy Week. Holy Week is God's solution to the 70th week. 
There is a way, I believe, to avoid having to go through what is known as the tribulation and even the great tribulation. There is a way to avoid having to go through the 70th week of Daniel and it is found or contained in Holy Week. Specifically, what we are going to celebrate today. Today is affectionately called Palm Sunday. Today is Palm Sunday or the triumphal entry of Christ the King. That is what today is. That is what we celebrate today. The triumphal entry of Christ the King. Now, how is this the solution to the 70th week of Daniel? Well, because Christ is not Jesus' last name. That's why. <laughs> Christ is not Jesus' last name. Some, sometimes we say Jesus Christ, and so you may be thinking that Christ is Jesus' last name. Christ is not Jesus' last name. If Jesus had a last name, it would be Bar-Joseph, son of Joseph. Jesus, son of Joseph. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is who he is. Christ is the title that he has because of who he is. It is Christ in Greek. It is Messiah in Hebrew, but it simply means the holy anointed one of God. That's what Christ means. He is the holy anointed one of God. What does that mean? Well, it means simply means he is God's solution to our separation situation. <laughs> he is God's solution. He is the one who has been anointed and appointed to solve the separation situation. <laughs> that is what Christ means. And today we are going to cover COVID, Palm Sunday, Good Friday, in the 70th week of Daniel, and I'm going to try and do it in 43 minutes or less. Okay? So if you're ready, let's begin. This is part nine of our series, The Sealed Revealed. We're simply entitling The Cure of the Christ. The Cure of the Christ. This is the coming of the King. Now, in order to understand this, we got to go back to the beginning. we got to go back to the garden. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 16. Genesis 2, verse 16, we've talked about this time and time again, but it bears repeating. In order for you to understand the solution, you first have to understand the problem. Okay? So we're going to go back to the beginning to see how this problem came to be. Genesis 2.16 says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Thus says the Lord. So God creates this garden. He creates all these trees in the garden. He creates two trees, puts them in the midst of the garden, the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He comes to Adam and Eve, he comes to men, and he says, of all these trees that I've planted, <laughs> you may freely eat from anyone that you want. Won't cost you a dime. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to pay for it. You can freely eat from anyone. 
except for one. The tree in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat from that tree, for the day that you eat of this tree, you will surely die. Well, we read the story and we know they ate from the tree. They didn't die. They lived on for many years, had many children. So what's going on here? Was God lying? No, God was not lying. He was not talking about physical death. Although that would come as a result of this. No, the death he was talking about was a spiritual death. And as we said before, a physical death is when my spirit separates from my body. Because that's what death means. Death simply means separation. So I die a physical death when my spirit separates from my body. But that's not what God was talking about. God was talking about when his spirit (laughs) would separate from man's spirit. That is the death that he is talking about. That is spiritual death because death means separation. So God is simply saying, the day you disobey me, the day you sin against me, the day you become a sinful being, I would have no choice but to separate my spirit from you. Spiritual death. Why? Because that's what sin does. Sin always brings death. Sin always separates us from God. You know, most people, they don't get this. They don't understand this. They will say things like, you know, what's the big deal? (laughs) I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, all they did was eat from a tree. (laughs) Or even today, what's the big deal? I mean, it's just a little white lie. What's the big deal? I mean, everybody is doing it. I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, uh, God God will understand. No, you don't understand. (laughs) You are the one that doesn't understand. And what you don't understand is the holiness of God. If you think that sin is no big deal, if you think that we can disobey God and live our lives contrary to God and God should be okay with that, you're the one that doesn't understand. And what you don't understand is the holiness of God. God is pure. God is perfect. God is righteous. God is holy. He is separated from every other created being because of the holy nature that he has. Therefore, he cannot be associated with any sin at all whatsoever. Not even the slightest bit of sin can God accept. Why? Because of his holiness. It is the very reason why we are all walking around with gloves and masks on now. (laughs) Why? Because we don't want to mix with COVID-19. We don't want to mix our bodies with this virus. And so we're doing everything we can to keep ourselves from it. Well, if that's how you feel about this disease, how do you think God feels about sin tainting his holiness? I mean, what if uh, I came to you and said, can I just give you a little bit of (laughs) COVID-19? Can I just give you a little bit of this? I'm going to give you the whole thing, just just a little bit. No, you would run from that. You don't want any part of this disease. Well, that's how God feels about sin. Any part of sin, any amount of sin would taint his holiness. So he says, I must separate myself from you. 
Because you have become a sinful being, because sin is within you, my spirit now must separate from you. And so just like we now are forced to practice social distancing, God does the very same thing. God practices social social distancing as well, only he doesn't call it social distancing. He calls it spiritual distancing. (laughs) He calls it spiritual distancing where his spirit has separated from our spirit. That's why in Isaiah 59.1, Isaiah 59.1 says this, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that he cannot save. That's not the problem. It's not that God is not able. He says, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. Some people are asking, God, where are you during this time? God, why haven't you answered us at this time? Why haven't you come to our aid and rescue? Is it that your arm is short? You can't do anything about this? Or is it that you were ignoring us? You, you can't hear us? Your, your ear is deaf? God says, no, that's not the problem. <laughs> He says, not that my hand is short that I cannot save, nor my ear deaf where I cannot hear. He says, no, but your iniquities have what? Separated you from your God. (laughs) Your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. It's not that he doesn't hear you. It's not that he can't hear you. It's not that he doesn't want to respond to hearing you. He says because of sin, he will not hear you. In other words, God says in order for me to maintain my holiness, I must practice spiritual separation or spiritual distancing. However, there are a couple of problems with this. There are a couple of problems with God practicing spiritual distancing or spiritual separation from us. Not only are we without God then, but God is without us. (laughs) Okay, so two things occur with spiritual distancing. Not only are we without God, But that also means that God is without us. And do you realize that God desires to be with us even more than we desire to be with him? (laughs) I mean, after all, that is why he created us in the first place. He created us for relationship with him. So not only are we without him, he is without us. And he desires to be with us even more than we desire to be with him. That's why he says, it is my will that none perish. God says, I don't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. It is my will that none perish, but that all come to repentance in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Because God desires to be with us even more than we desire to be with him. So not only does this keep us from our God, it keeps God from us. So in the midst of this first pandemic that the world saw in the garden, God gives a promise of a solution to this separation. (laughs) In the midst of this first pandemic that hit the world back in the garden, what God does, he comes down and he gives a promise of a solution 
to this separation situation we're in. And it is the coming of Christ the King. If you're still in Genesis, go to Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, in verse 15, God is going to give this promise. It says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, he's speaking to the serpent, Satan, and says, I will put enmity between you and the woman. I'm going to put hostility between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. (laughs) He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In the garden, in the midst of this first pandemic, God gives the very first prophetic word. He gives the very first prophecy. He says, the day is coming when a cure will come. The day is going to come when the cure will come. The cure, the solution that will solve this separation or this uh, spiritual distancing that you have brought about with my people. That day is coming, and he talks about bruising one another. Now, you have to know and understand, (laughs) to say bruise is like saying foster for beer. Y'all remember those commercials, the foster commercials? You have some Australian guy, there will be a fly on the wall, he'll take out his big machete or knife, he'll throw it against the wall to take care of that fly, and they'll say, fly swatter. And then they'll put the big Foster's beer there and it says Foster's, Australian for beer. Well, that's what's going on with the word bruise here. Obviously, the cross of Christ was more than a bruise. (laughs) Obviously, that is more than than a bruise here. No, this is literary licensing that God is using here. And what he is saying is this. What took place with Jesus physically (laughs) will take place with Satan spiritually. And you know what Jesus Christ would go through would be more than a simply bruise, okay? (laughs) But what took place with Jesus physically is going to take place with Satan spiritually. God is saying to Satan, Satan, you will destroy his body temporarily, (laughs) but he will destroy your kingdom permanently. That is what's going to happen When my promise is fulfilled. So from that moment on, from that time on in the garden when God gives this prophetic word, the world would wait for this promise of God to be fulfilled. The world would wait for the coming of the king. The world would wait for the cure of the Christ. The world would wait for this. And on April 6, 32 AD, many believe, Jesus the Christ comes in to Jerusalem, lowly and riding on a donkey, talking about your king has come with a cure. (laughs) All this time, the world has been waiting. Finally, on this day, Palm Sunday, Jesus Christ comes in talking about your king has come with a cure. Your king has come with the answer, with the solution to this spiritual separation that you have been dealing with with God. 
This is why they began to roll out the red carpet for him. They began to take their clothes and lay it on the ground for him. They began to take out palm branches and wave it, and they began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna simply means God save us, God help us. Because they saw that the promise is being fulfilled, that the prophecy that God spoke way back when in the garden has now been fulfilled with Jesus Christ showing up. This promise of God is now before their very eyes. And so they began to praise him for it. But remember, he didn't just come as Christ the king. He did. If you remember when we gave you God's divine timeline and we showed you how it works out to the very day where Jesus was not early, he would not be late, he would show up right on time, right on cue. So he did come as Christ the King, but he didn't come just as Christ the King, he also came as Christ the Cure. (laughs) He came as Christ the Cure as well. What do we mean? Well, the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And we now know what death means. Death means separation. The wages of sin is death, and the soul that sins will surely die or be separated from Almighty God. What happened in the garden is what's been happening ever since the garden. Because of sin, we have been separated from the Spirit of God. But God comes, Jesus Christ comes, not only as Christ the King, he comes as Christ the Cure. Because what God would allow is what we find in baseball. (laughs) What do we find in baseball? We find substitutions, right? (laughs) Somebody can be a designated hitter. (laughs) When they come in, I used to play baseball, wasn't very good at it, I'd strike out a lot. So sometimes they would replace me with a DH, a designated hitter hitter who could get the job done. We can put in a pinch runner. I couldn't hit the ball, but I could run fast. So sometimes they will put me in to substitute for a runner. <laughs> they will call in a relief. Come in, relieve us from this. And so Jesus Christ is the same. God is allowing substitution. <laughs> Even though the wages of sin is death and the soul that sins will surely die, God says, I'm going to call in a DH. I'm going to call in a pinch runner. I'm going to call in relief. I'm going to call in somebody who will substitute the requirement for your sin. And so Christ becomes the substitute. Christ becomes the cure. So even though he is son of man, he is also son of God, yet he would be rejected by the Jews. He would be betrayed by a buddy. He would be deserted by his disciples. He would be arrested by the authority. He would be conspired against by the council. He would be handed over by Herod. He would be prosecuted by Pilate. And he would be killed by the cross. All of this would happen during Holy Week. Holy Week started off with Palm Sunday. But it would lead to Good Friday. One moment the people are shouting, praise him. The next, they are shouting, crucify him. Crucify him. But remember, this was always a part of the plan. (laughs) 
This was always a part of him. That's why Jesus said, look, no one takes my life. No one takes Peter, do you know that I can call down 12 legions of angels who will come to my aid and rescue? You don't need to protect me. No one takes my life. I give my life. I lay down my life because I know I have the power to pick it up again. This was always part of the plan. Remember, you shall bruise his heel in the process of him bruising your head. He is going to suffer, but in the process, he's going to crush your power, your authority, and your kingdom. So this was always part of the plan. People always have this argument during this time. Who killed Jesus? Who is responsible for killing Jesus? Was it the Jews who were responsible? Was it Rome who's responsible? Was it uh, even us who were responsible? Wrong. (laughs) None of the above. You want to know who's responsible for Jesus being killed? Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is responsible because he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to go through it. But he freely and willfully laid down his life so that he may become the substitute for us. No, Jesus Christ was born to die. He came to be killed because death was and is the requirement for sin. There is no way around that. There is no way around that. I know you like to say, well, but God is a loving God and God is a gracious God and God is a merciful God and and he understands all that. No, there is no way around this. The wages of sin is death. Death is the requirement for sin and death means separation from God. There is no way around that. Only because of Christ, God does not require that of you. Do you realize right now that our government and around the world, they are taking the blood of people who recovered from COVID-19? People who have gotten stricken with this disease and they have recovered, they are now taking their blood and they're extracting the plasma from this blood and they're trying to come up with a vaccine from it. They're trying to say, man, if you were able to get this, but you were able to beat that, There could be something in your blood. (laughs) There could be something in your blood that will help us create a vaccine to save everybody else. Isn't that interesting that they're looking to the blood? (laughs) They're looking to the blood because this is exactly why Christ came. The cure was in the blood. (laughs) He had to be killed. He had to be crucified. Why? Because the cure was in the blood. And it had to be his blood. No other blood had the solution. No other blood had the power. David was called a man after God's own heart, but his blood couldn't do it. (laughs) Elijah had the power to call down fire from heaven, but his blood couldn't do it. Abraham is known as the father of our faith, but his blood couldn't do it. (laughs) Moses was able to part the Red Sea, but his blood couldn't do it. Oh, but when the Christ, the king, shows up, he has the cure within him, and it is in his own shed blood. You know, in the Old Testament, there were many pandemics like the one we're faced with right now. 
many pandemics that the people face with. And one, again, we're celebrating around this time, Passover. Passover. Y'all remember Passover where God inflicts all of Egypt with these ten plagues? And all of these plagues do not affect the land of Goshen, where God's people are. They do not affect the land of Goshen, all except the last one. God comes to his people and says, look, all these plagues have not touched you, have not come to you, have not affected you, but this last one will. This last one will. This last one is the spirit of death who's going to come in all of Egypt, including Goshen. (laughs) And it's going to strike the firstborn of every household. So because this pandemic is going to affect everybody, including my people, this is what I want you to do. (laughs) I want you to take a lamb. And I want you to kill this lamb. I want you to shed the blood of this lamb. And I want you to apply that blood to the doorpost of your home. And then I want you to get inside your home, shut the door, and stay under the blood. And so it will be when the angel of death comes, it will see the blood and it will pass over you. It will go from house to house to house to house. But if it sees the blood of the lamb, it will simply pass over you and you will be saved. There was another pandemic the people faced. Because of the sins of the people, God gets out of the way and he allows these poisonous serpents to come into the land. And they begin to strike all the people, filling their bodies with poison, and thousands of them begin to drop dead right then and there. The people began to cry out for a cure and say, Moses, do something. Pray for us. We, we, we are sorry. We repent of our sin. Cry out for, to God for us. Moses does that. And so God says, OK, Moses, I'm going to stop this plague. I'm going to stop this pandemic. But this is how I'm going to do it. I want you to make a bronze serpent. Make a bronze serpent, affix it to a pole and then hold it up in the air for all to see. And so it will be everybody who's been afflicted by this poison from these serpents. If they look at the serpent on the pole, they will be healed. They will recover. And that's exactly what happens. That's what Moses does. He affixes this bronze serpent to this pole, lifts it up for all to see. And anybody who has poison in their body, if they just look to this serpent on the pole, they were miraculously healed. And God stops the plague. Do you realize that both of these pandemics were simply foreshadowings of Jesus Christ? Both of these were foreshadowings of Christ the King who would come with the cure. Why? Because he would be the innocent lamb that was slain for the world. He would be the one to sacrifice his own body, his own life, to shed his own blood for the sins of the world. He would be the one, the Bible says, who would ascend into heaven, into the true holy of holies. He would sprinkle the true mercy seat of God with his own shed blood so that whoever gets under the blood, (laughs) they would be safe from this pandemic that separates us from God. And just like Moses lifted up that serpent on that pole for all to see, he too would be lifted up. 
He too would hang between heaven and earth for all the world to see. And now he says, anybody who has been afflicted with this curse called sin, which includes everybody, because <laughs> we all came from Adam. He says, anybody who looks to Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ, you will be healed. You will be healed from this pandemic. You will be healed from this poison. You will be healed from this disease. Jesus bore the curse of our sin upon himself on that cross. And therefore, he took the full wrath of God for it. At that particular moment, the full wrath of God was unleashed and poured out on Jesus. The Bible says Jesus died once and for all. At that one moment, the payment was paid in full. He said it is finished. There is no more requirement. There's nothing more to do, nothing more to give. It is done. Jesus took the full cup of wrath, the wrath of God upon himself for our sin, which means there is no more to be paid. So he took the wrath of God so that all who would believe in him would never have to. You never have to experience the wrath of God because of what Jesus Christ did for us. It was the way, and may I add, the only way. <laughs> the only way that God could be both just and merciful all at the same time. You realize that God simply couldn't just forget about our sin. He couldn't ignore our sin. He couldn't sweep our sin under the rug. Why? He would be merciful for doing that, but he wouldn't be just if he did that. And if God took out all of his wrath for our sin upon our, us, he would be just for doing that, but he wouldn't be merciful if he did that. So God came up with a way where he can be both just and merciful all at the same time. Substitutionary death. He would come as sinful man and die in our place. Take the full wrath of God upon himself. And when he paid the price in full, God says, now I can be merciful to whoever comes to you. Not only can I be merciful, not giving you what you truly deserve, I can also be gracious toward you and give you even what you don't deserve. Me, <laughs> my presence, heaven for eternity. That is something we do not deserve, but we are able to get because of Christ, the cure. And this is why I don't believe that those who are found in Jesus Christ will see any part of the 70th week of Daniel. This is why I don't believe we will see it. I don't believe we will see any part of the 70th week of Daniel. Why? Because remember what the 70th week of Daniel is. It is the wrath of God on this world for the sins of this world. That is what the 70th week of Daniel is. The purpose of this tribulation 
is not necessary for those who are found in Christ. Remember what we said last week. The purpose for tribulation is what? To show the world what the world would be without God. To test the world or try the world to see who is really genuine in their faith. And then to judge the world for their sin. Well, none of these things apply to those who are found in Christ. None of these things are needed for us. Why? Because if you are a true believer in Christ, if you are truly saved, if you've truly given your life to him, repented of your sin and given your life to him, you've already confessed that you need him. God won't have to show you what life will be like without him. Why? Because you have confessed that you need him. And you will remain faithful to him. If God has saved you, that means he's looked into the future. (laughs) He knows that you will remain faithful to him. So there's no reason to try you if you are truly saved. But then lastly, because of Jesus Christ, there's no need for him to judge you. Because of Jesus Christ, there is no need for us to be judged by God for our sin. That would be double jeopardy, would it not? Y'all know what double jeopardy is in our court of law, court system? You cannot be tried for the same crime twice. So, for instance, O.J. Simpson, many people believe he's guilty. He, He committed those crimes. He can walk out today and say, I did it. Can't touch him. As a matter of fact, he wrote a book saying, what if I did it? That's how bold he was. He can walk out right now, get on, on news and say, okay, I did it. They cannot touch him. Why? Because of double jeopardy. You cannot be tried for the same crime twice. Well, God says the same thing. God says the same thing because of double jeopardy. If he has already taken all of his wrath... <laughs> For all of our sin on his one and only son, why then is he going to turn around and then judge us again for it? What did Jesus Christ do then? Why would he judge his own son? Why would he pour out all of his wrath on his own son if he's just going to turn around and then judge us again during the tribulation or judge us again at the, at the final judgment? Why would he do that? He wouldn't. Because Jesus Christ came with the cure, there is no more wrath of God for those who are found in Christ Jesus. Let me give you a couple of scriptures and we'll close with a few more thoughts. But 1 Thessalonians 5.9, 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says it this way, For God did not appoint us to what? Wrath. God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. The Bible says that because of Jesus Christ, because he died for us, God has not appointed us to wrath. That's talking about his wrath. I know a lot of people have a problem with those who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. So why do you think you're going to escape wrath any more than anybody else did in history? But we're not talking about the wrath of man. God has never promised that he would save us or keep us from the wrath of man. 
We could very well see the wrath of man in our lifetime. That's not what we're talking about. That's not the promise. This wrath the Bible is talking about is the wrath of God. And it is the wrath of God that he has said, I have not appointed you to. Well, what is the 70th week of Daniel? What is the tribulation period all about? It is the wrath of God. And so God simply says, if you are found in Christ Jesus, you need to know I have not appointed you to my wrath. Why? Because I've already taken my wrath out on my son for you. Here's another one, Revelation 3.10. Revelation 3.10, it's describing the great tribulation as well. And God says this, because you have kept my command to persevere, I also will keep you in the hour of trial. Is that what your Bible says? In? No. He says, I will keep you from <laughs> the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. God didn't say, I'm going to keep you while you're in it. No, I'm going to keep you from it. Just like he kept Noah from the flood, just like he kept Lot and his family from the fire and brimstone of Sodom and Gomorrah, God says, I will keep you not in this, but from this. So this is why I believe that we as Christians, as believers, will see no part of the 70th week of Daniel or the Great Tribulation. You know, right now the world is hoping, the world is praying, the world is waiting, the world is working, the world is believing for a cure, for an antidote, for a vaccine. For a solution that will end our social distancing. So that we may be able to be reconnected with one another again. And isn't that going to be great? We can come to church again. We can go out shopping again. And we can play sports again. And we can do all these things again. The world right now is waiting for a solution. They're waiting for a cure that will end this social distancing. Well, Palm Sunday and Good Friday is not only about the coming of the king, it's about the coming of the cure. (laughs) It's about the coming of the cure that will reconcile or reconnect man back to God again. That is what Holy Week is all about. I know we all know the story of uh, Snow White. (laughs) Snow White was a story of a, a woman who, too, ate some fruit she shouldn't have eaten. <laughs> and when she ate this fruit that she shouldn't have eaten, she dropped to the ground and could not be revived, could not recover. None of the seven doors could wake her up. <laughs> None of the friendly animals in the forest could wake her up. Nobody could wake her up from this. So she lay there, separated from all of life. But then one day, the prince shows up. (laughs) The prince shows up with a cure, and the cure was love. But it was expressed or demonstrated with a kiss. The prince comes to where she is. The prince 
leans down to where she is. The prince, with the love that he has in his heart for her, gives her a kiss that breaks the spell. He comes with the cure to bring life back to her and reconnect her with life once again. Well, we too, because of a piece of fruit, (laughs) we were cursed and separated from life. We were cursed and separated from the Spirit of God. The Bible says we were dead, separated. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, cut off from God, unable to awake from our sleep, unable to recover from that on our own. But one day, the king came. One day, the king shows up. And the king shows up with the cure. And the cure was love. But his love was not demonstrated with a kiss. His love was demonstrated with the cross. (laughs) That's how much he loved us. That he was willing to lay down his life for us. The king came with a cure that would finally, once and for all, forever, end this spiritual separation. It has now cured us from the curse of sin and death, and it is only found in those who turn to Jesus Christ. It's the only difference between the story of Snow White and our story is that we have a choice. (laughs) We have a choice in the matter. Snow White didn't have a choice. The prince came and kissed her. She couldn't reject nor accept his kiss. But God has given us a choice. God has given us a choice whether or not we're going to accept or reject the kiss of Christ. It's my prayer for you today, God's challenge for all of us is that we would receive the cure of the Christ in the coming of the King. We want to give you an opportunity at this time now to make that decision. Because as we say before, whether you want to or not, whether you like it or not, whether you express it or not, everybody makes a decision today. If you have come onto this broadcast You have heard the word of God. It is by God's mercy. It is by God's grace that he has allowed you to hear what you now know. But the question is, what will you now do with what you now know? Will you accept and receive the kiss of Christ? Will you accept and receive the cure of Christ? Will you Be willing to die to sin, die to Satan, die to self, die to the ways of this world, to turn from the way and the direction that you were going and simply turn to Jesus Christ, the cross and his kingdom, so that you may be cured from this sin that separates you from almighty God. You must make that decision. And so we want to give you an opportunity to make that decision today because you're going to make a decision today regardless. But we want to give you an opportunity to make that decision to say yes to Jesus Christ.
to say, yes, I believe in him. I don't just believe that. I don't just believe a bunch of facts about him. No, I believe in him. I believe in him so much that I'm willing to put my hope, my trust, my faith, my life, my eternity in his hands and forsake anything else that I was dependent upon, myself or anything else of this world. I forsake that. I let that go at this time and I give my life to Jesus Christ. I say yes to him. If you've never done that, then we ask that you make that decision at this time right where you are. Just cry out to him. Call upon his name. Confess him before man. Confess your sins to him. Admit your need and your dependence for him. Ask him to save you and forgive you of your sin. To cleanse you of all unrighteousness. To deposit his own spirit back into your spirit because now sin no longer separates you from him. And he will do it. He will give you a life like no other that is eternal, that is everlasting, that is full of joy and of peace and of hope and of confidence and assurance no matter what comes your way. Do that while you still can. If you are waiting for a cure for COVID, how much more would you be willing to receive a cure for sin? Because COVID can only kill the body. Sin will kill the spirit. Sin will separate you from God for all eternity. So do not neglect so great a salvation, but receive the coming of the Christ at this time. We want to also pray for the church, the called out ones, the believers who are found in Christ already. You are saved. You are blood bought. You are spirit filled. You are on your way to heaven. Praise God for that. Rejoice in that. But may we too be giving that message at that time. Now, it's good for us to address the circumstances that we are in and COVID-19 and dealing with food and, and all kinds of things. We should address those things. But if we address all those things, but we don't address this thing, we have failed. We have failed to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Give people what they desperately need the most. Yes, they need to be safe. Yes, they need to eat. Yes, they need to be taken care of. But more than that, they need their sins forgiven. They need to receive Jesus Christ, the King. So may we as a church be willing to give this message to a lost and dying world. That is my prayer, my plea to us all today. Well, it has been an honor and a privilege once again to be able to serve you in this way, to come into your homes or your devices and to minister to your heart and your life by the word of God and through the spirit of God. We pray that you have been blessed by it. If you have, let us know. Go to our website, believechurch.cc, where you can give, you can watch, you can like, share, comment, subscribe. Let us know that this ministry is blessing you, uh, that we may continue to be a blessing to you as you are to us. And if and when God allows this to lift, we pray that we will be able to come and worship together personally as the people of God, like God intended. Be sure to tune in on Wednesday as we continue our series, Minds of the Mind. 
uh, tune in to Mount Pigza Baptist Church uh, Facebook page uh, where we'll have a pastor's panel to encourage you and answer your questions on Good Friday and then come back again next Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, where we celebrate the life-giving spirit that raised Jesus Christ from death, hell, and the grave and has done the same thing to you and I as well. This has been great and honor and privilege. So wherever you are, receive the blessing or the benediction of the Lord and we'll be dismissed. Our benediction comes today from Galatians 3.13. Galatians 3.13, it simply says this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He who knew no sin, the Bible says, has become sin for us. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So receive what Jesus Christ did today, both now and forevermore, for our good and for his glory. See the salvation of the Lord, even in the land of the living. Wherever you are, lift your hands toward heaven. Receive this blessing. Lord, I pray and speak this word of encouragement and blessing over these, your people. And I pray, God, as we reflect, as we pause to ponder the moment in time when you came with the cure, when you came to become the curse for us, to take care of the curse that was in us, that separated you from us. May we reflect on that, receive it, and live by it, giving this life-giving spirit to others as well. So as we prepare to close this broadcast, may we never close and leave the truth that we have learned here today. May it go before us, giving us all that we need for our good and for your glory. These things we ask and pray in the powerful and precious name of Jesus Christ, Almighty God. And all the church together says together, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next time.